This is the Total Tuscany Podcast, episode 91. Happy New Year! This is the final Total Tuscany Podcast of 2023. Lord knows we haven't done that many this year, but the ones we have done, they've been informative, they've been enlightening, helping you prepare your trips to Tuscany, to Italy, talking about food, talking about wine, talking about experiences. I'm Travis Justice, the co-publisher of TotalTuscany.com. My other co-publisher is my good friend, Mr. Pat Companion. What's going on, Pat? Good morning, Travis. It's good to see your lovely face. Oh, lovely. You're, you're calling me lovely? Well, it's been a while. It, it has been a while. I'm looking now. The last podcast we did, believe it or not, goes back to June 19th. Why? Well, because, because you don't have time for this. Oh, I, I think it's all your travel. <laughs> well, you know, life gets in the way, doesn't it? Life definitely it gets in the way. Now, the the truth is, I just got back from from Florence. I was in Tuscany, uh, December fifth, I think, through the fourteenth. So, I, and that's my normal trip. I always go for the Christmas season. My and I, I've said this once. I'll say it again. Uh, the best time that I have is this time of year, the Christmas season. In Florence is really something special because they just seem to do it right. Tourism is is on the weekends; it's it's pretty busy, but during the week there's not that many people there. And to me, for as many times as we've gone now, this is my tenth trip to to, to Florence. Um, it, it, it's just I, I don't like all the hustle and bustle anymore. So you just kind of blend in and have a good time. Though I did I did some new things this year that was was interesting. We went to a jazz club. And that's a first. Yeah. And it was really weird because it, it's off the beaten path. It's kind of like a, a knock twice, the knock three more times type of place to get in. Like a speakeasy. It, it, it's very, it's not easy to find. And I had a blast. I, I didn't know how much fun I would have at a, at a jazz club, but it was really, it was, I, I would recommend that to anybody. So look up uh, Florence Jazz Club, I believe it is. If you go to Florence and we went on a night, they did a blues jam. And I, there was probably 200 people in there. It was packed. And it didn't start till like 10 o'clock at night. Wow. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was a good time. Now, was this kind of in a, in a warehouse or where, what part of the town? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think what part of town it is. I, I can't even tell you. We, we were staying in San Marco, and it was probably a six or seven minute walk from San Marco. Okay. So, which is by the academia. So, it, but but again, it's in like a little side alleyway, and it took us a while to find it because there was a neon sign that wasn't on that says Florence Jazz Club, and finally I just saw kind of a rope there, and I'm like, is this the place? They're like, yeah, you got to wait to get in. So, that, but you had to buy a membership, right? You have to be a member to get in. So it's a ten euro membership to get in, which comes with a free drink, but then you're a member for like a year. Now I didn't keep my membership card. I'm like, yeah, I'll right. be back in a year. Right. But uh, and w- what's a ten dollar cover at that point? I Sounds mean, it's fun. It, it it was a lot of fun. We had a, a gentleman with us that was celebrating his 60th birthday. Dave Lubbers is his name, and he's a harmonica player. So he knew this 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 blues jam was going on. So he brought all his harmonicas. He has like every note. I don't know anything about music, but he had like all these harmonicas. And I think they were a little nervous because that's one of those instruments you're like. Do you really know how to play harmonica? Mm-hmm. And he got up and he played the hell out of the harmonica. Played two songs. It was a blast. So he celebrated his 60th. 60th birthday. So seven years younger than you. Uh, yes. Yes. Wow. And what, same age as you? 
Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the, the favorite thing that I did and I've been doing it the last four years now was we go to a retro, uh, for the Christmas market in a retro. And I, I knew, I, I, I knew I'd arrived because I, I got to my favorite spot, which is just a, a little wine bar at the top of the Christmas market. And my wife and the group had been separated and I got there first and I'm like, Hey, uh, can I get a glass of wine? My my family's going to meet me here in a little bit, but their their credit card machine wasn't working because there was probably I bet there was ten thousand people there. I mean, it was that packed for the Christmas market in the big Piazza sure. in Arezzo, and they're like, uh, "We're only taking cash right now." I'm like, "I." So I tried to pull. I come here every year, right? And they look at me like, "You're American." You're not coming here every single year, mm-hmm. and so I kind of told him the story, and he's like, "Well, here, here's a glass of wine, you know." So he, I said, "I'm not going anywhere. My family would be here if I can just start drinking." All of a sudden, they come up to me and they tap me. They went into their phones, and they found a picture of us together last year. <laughs> And they're like, "That's you." I said, yeah. "I told you, I come here every single year." I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, because they, they, they remembered me because they w- went through their phones and they and they started uh, started. Uh, oh, they go, he wasn't lying to me. You're a regular. Yeah, I'm a I'm a regular. So you know the the last episode that we did back in June was a new experience that we talked about in Tuscany, and that was the Caligari custom wine experiences. And Claudia was a was a guest of ours. And she runs, you know, you can join her wine club. If you go to Tuscany, you can uh, hire her to do private wine tastings for you. And so I'd reached out to Claudia before we went to went to Tuscany, and we arranged a uh, – she picked us up in her car. I don't know if that's technically – well, back now that we're back in the States, I think I can say it's perfectly legal uh, that she could haul us around. Uh, but she was <laughs> – but she was uh, – we went to a couple different wineries. And come to find out, she was coming to the United States. In fact, we are based in Omaha, Nebraska. She was coming to Omaha. So I thought, you know what? We rarely do back-to-back interviews with the same person. Yes. And now we've had repeat people on before, but it's usually spread out. But I'm like, you know what? If Claudia is going to be in Omaha, oh yeah, there's there's no reason not to bring her into the Total Tuscany studio. And Claudia Caligari joins us in the Total Tuscany studio. Welcome to the United States. Welcome to Omaha, Nebraska. Thank you. Thank you, Travis. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, so nice to be here and be on the other side uh, on the screen of the screen. I mean, last time I was just behind a Zoom call and now I can see your studio. So this is a, this is weird for us because w- most of our interviews take place with people in Tuscany. And they're always over the Zoom. Right. Yeah. To have somebody in studio is... We've only done this... Two or three times. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a different experience, right? So you were here because you were doing a, a larger wine tasting, right? Uh, for an event at the Cloisters on the Platte. If you want to know what the Cloister, Cloisters on the Platte is, go ahead and just look it up. It's a it's a retreat center, uh, but uh, you, you were brought here to do two rather large wine tastings. Uh, how, how has that experience been for you? 
It has been a blast. The first night was really, really very, very nice. Uh, that event started uh, where we have been starting to talk about that event a couple of months ago when, uh, thanks to my friend Rod, I got in contact with uh, Laura Schuper from uh, The Cloisters on the Plat. And they were very interested uh, in organizing a wine tasting with a charity purpose. So basically, they would like to uh, raise some funds for The Cloisters on the Plat Foundation. And we had this idea of uh, putting together a wine tasting with the wines shipped directly from Italy. Uh, I have made a selection of four wines, one white and three reds from different areas. And basically, I just guided through the, the, the over 100 people joining us through the tasting last night. And it has been fun. It has been informative. It has been tasty because after the wine tasting, a lot of nice foods came in. And yeah, I couldn't, it was really, really interesting to me. I mean, people were very thankful because they got a lot of information in one year, in one uh, one hour time uh, of the wine tasting, and uh, I had a lot of fun. Let, go ahead. Well, I'm wondering what what's your perception of Americans' familiarity with wine. Well, um, not too high, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, prior to the wine tasting, uh, I wanted to ask uh, my guest uh, about the wine knowledge and just share the questionnaire uh, that uh, people actually answered. That, that was very helpful for me to understand really the knowledge level on the room. And uh, since uh, uh, I could read that many people never joined a wine tasting or many people did not know much about Tuscany, I kept it very to, to the basics and I really teach how to do, how to taste the wine, what's the quality classification of uh, in Italy. So the DOC, DOCG, I explained what uh, tannins are, you know, very basic things, but at the same times with uh, some fun with it, some, uh, some good wines, of course, because uh, the wines uh, I have selected that I brought here, they all come from uh, pretty small wineries. Uh, that's my philosophy, basically. I want to try and pick up uh, wines with the personality, with the souls, with some faces behind that due to their small uh, dimension, sometimes struggle a little bit to reach the international market due to the difficulties in distribution. So I'm very happy to support those wineries and make them available for a broader public in the U.S. Well, it's interesting you say it because and even some of the, the vineyards and wineries that we visit when we're in Tuscany, uh, we're like, hey, can we find your wine where we're at? And there's ways to do it, but it seems like you have a huge market here. And what I mean by that is a lot of wineries will only focus on New York, California, Florida. And I get that there's a bigger population base, but it's probably easier to get your wines there. But you go from, you know, all the way in the middle of the United States, there's a, there's a huge wine consuming base that's not even being touched. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that was probably what makes last night so special because they re my guests really tasted wines that never heard about before. So we had the Bulgari, we had the Brunello di Montalcino, we have we had wines from a minor appellation of the Beaten Path, but that are definitely worth trying, like uh, Montecucco, like Suvereto. So new names, new rising names that uh, unfortunately uh, struggle to, <laughs> to, to be distributed internationally, but they are definitely worth trying. I try to pick those wines that uh, 
people might discover when they travel to Tuscany, you know, and I try to bring Tuscany to them. So do the other way around. If you're not coming to Tuscany, I bring Tuscany to you. Well, it, it's funny that you say that because, you know, last time we talked, we were talking about your wine club and, and what you're doing. And I'm, I'm, I was sitting here talking to Pat before we got started. I said, you know, what can we talk about something new? And then it dawned on me in 2020, we did our own wine dinner. We brought in Anthony Frevoletti, who's now down in uh, Montepulciano right now. Um, and Pat's brought in from Sicily. What's her name? Eleonora. Yeah, Eleonora. Oh, so you've done a Sicily wine tasting. She's, Eleonora's actually coming back next week, right? Mm-hmm. She's doing a number of wine tastings. You come here. Is there a market more? Because part of the experience, obviously, is going to Italy, being in the at the wineries and experiencing, you get the smells and all that stuff. But now that you've come here and done this, do you think there is a bigger market to say, bring Tuscany to the United States? Do you see yourself coming back doing this more often? And do you think that can, do you think there's a market for that? Absolutely. Uh, I tell you, last night I've already had at least three or four people asking me to repeat this event <laughs> in other occasions. So, yes, I think there is room. It was something totally new for that location last night and there was a lot of interest. So I do think that it could be something to be repeated. And yes, I'm pretty much uh, open to those opportunities as well. I would like to travel more often to the U.S., well, because the interesting part and in, in what makes the United States so difficult is a shipping, right? Right. But a lot of these wineries have a hard time getting set up with distributors, and, mm-hmm. and, and distributors are so it's kind of like it's kind of like the mafia. And what I mean by that is once once they have their talons in you, they own you, right? They can, they determine where your your shelf space is. You're you're buying direct. I am buying direct. Yes. And your ship. So it's it's a better way for these wineries to get in the United States without having a distributor. Absolutely. In fact, I only find open arms to wineries when I go there because very happy. They are very happy about. Uh, the job I'm doing. Also because I'm not just a reseller, I've been uh, a lifetime in marketing. So when I choose a wine and I decide to include that in my wine tasting, in a way I am being, I, I am a brand ambassador for that winery in that specific moment. And so winery are, are very, very grateful for that because I don't just put a bottle of wine on a shelf. I really explain the philosophy, the story, the faces behind, the, the production technique. So I'm being really like a good messenger for uh, for the winery itself. A lot of our friends seem to focus on California wines, mm-hmm. and that's all they know. And so, is there if you a, like oak? I guess that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there a variety that you think kind of appeals to the American palate? Well, probably I'm a very fan of the Bulgari region. Uh, which is a rising area, wine region, just to mention a couple of names. The Bulgari region, which is along the coast, is the place for uh, Sassicaia or Ornellaia, just to mention the two, the two most important ones. And over there, there is this uh, trend of uh, red, red blends mm, with international varieties like Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Merlot, Syrah, Petit Verdot. And that particular taste, I think... Uh, meets the the American palate very much because uh, I, I don't want to say that it's similar to the Ameri- to the Californian wines absolutely not but uh, it has that uh, 
international twist, let me say, that uh, uh, of course Sangiovese does not have because it's much more austere, much more uh, uh, traditional, okay, sometimes a little bit difficult on the palate, while the Bulgarian wine, wines, I think, uh, could really easily please an American palate. I, I think my palate is getting more sophisticated. To mm-hmm. me, if it tastes good, it tastes good. I mean, that's kind of the first thing I go off. Do I like it? But what I'm getting to now is, because I just opened your uh, a Bulgari that you sent us oh, yes. a couple weeks ago. Yes. And, w- and that was my, my starter wine. Like, I won't take a Chianti Classico now and just drink a bottle of it. I'm like, no, that's got to go with a meal, mm-hmm. right? So I, I'm starting to realize, okay, I like this with a meal. I like this just to sit and relax. And that's where my palate, I think, is getting more refined. Right. So what are the best wines in your mind to, if I just want to sit, open a bottle and, and relax, and then if I want to have a meal? Well, uh, a Bulgari Rosso could be definitely a good choice. Yeah. I wouldn't go for the Bulgari Superiore because for the longer aging and bolder structure should go with uh, with some food, in my opinion. But then there are so many wines that could go without a meal. Like, for example, I recently discovered that there is an area in Tuscany where I invite you to go to uh, around Florence in the Mugello area that they produce outstanding Pinot Noir. And that one, for example, served chill, uh, chilled, could be a very good starter wine before a meal. So the aperitivo, like we used to call in Italy. Aperitivo is a very Italian custom, is that the drink or a glass of something, whether it is a glass of wine or a beer or a cocktail, before a meal. And that it's an appointment uh, Italians cannot miss. How was the, how, I'm just curious, how was the harvest in 2023? Well, it has been a tough year today. Yes, uh, to the, this year, sorry. It has been tough. The harvest went smooth, but um, we had a much lower quantity. So yield were very low because uh, many areas throughout Italy faced uh, some uh, pest uh, problems. And so had to cut down the, the quantity of the production. So producers are not too pleased with the, with how the year went, but uh, nowadays we have the opportunity to cut down the quantity, but still keep up the quality. So they prefer to reduce the quantity to the volume, but try to really to keep up the quality standard. And what they were able to put in the actual bottle is still up to standard. It's just, in some cases, uh, 50% of the regular produce production. 50%? Yes, this year. In some cases. I've been talking to some producers that really cut down production to 50%. Wow. I was lucky enough that I got to spend an entire day with you. Yep. Uh, and the the first winery that we went to, Ca- Casanova? Tenuta Casanova. Yeah. And I said it totally wrong. It looked like Casanova. Casanova. <laughs> so um, I love that place. Now that is a, they're basically starting from scratch there, right? They 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 bought this place, Pat, as a Frenchman. He came in and he spent millions, and I mean millions of dollars to bring this this winery back to, to what it needs to be. Um, how many places out there are there like that? And I, I love that place. I can see myself ordering a lot of wine from them. There are many. There are many, but it's not easy to, to discover them. In fact, uh, that winery uh, of the day we spent together 
was probably the one that uh, really caught my attention because uh, not only it was a big investment in terms of uh, ar mm, the architectures and buildings and so forth, but I could uh, feel that there was some passion behind. So the person who made all that was really looking forward to keep up the quality, to make everything beautiful. The staff was nice. They were all engaged, young, very passionate about what they were doing, um, quality up to standards and beyond. So that's really the typical winery that I would choose uh, for my selection. And in fact, <laughs> their uh, Chianti Classico Reserva is in my current winter selection after oh. our, our visit. I might have to make another order. I might just go with uh, just like a case of just that. Yeah, it really, so nice, yeah, isn't it? It, it, it was really... It, and. It was just such a unique experience. And we had two unique experiences. We, so we went there, and then we went and had lunch, and then we went to a castle. And what, what was that place called? Castello del Trebbio. And this, this place was fascinating. I mean, it, was, it housed um, the Germans uh, back in, in World War II, um, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, they're very protective of their castle. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and, and they're very proud of their wines. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, full disclosure, the first place we went was 35 euro for a tasting. And of course, you had some food with it. The next place was 80 euro. That, that, that's more than I like to spend for a tasting. But it was, it was a, a fabulous place. Yes. Totally two different uh, realities. Uh, of course, uh, the second one uh, can, I mean, in, in the price of the second one, you also pay the history behind. Yeah. You, know, you pay the tour of the castle. You pay, I mean, the different generation uh, building up uh, what you have seen. Uh, they are completely different. I personally like you know, the more authentic feel that I could have in the first one. Yes. I had the feeling it was more close to my, um, no, no, we were more on, more on my wavelength. Do you say that? No, I don't. Yeah. That's, don't that's, get that's, that yep. Yeah, that, that's a good that's a good analogy. Um, yeah, they were very Pat. They were so proud. We couldn't take. Remember when they no, they yes. wouldn't let us take pictures? Yes. We're like, yeah, they're like, can we take a picture? No. We're like, we're I thought, okay. We're, <laughs> we're we're just in a room, you know. I mean, but they had a huge fire going, and it, it, it was it was very eloquent. It's hard it's hard to beat the amb ambience of Italy, mm -hmm. and you, you're going to enjoy the wine, I think. More well, it, it's funny. The interesting part, going back to what we were talking about, bringing Tuscany to the United States. So you, what I, what I like about the tastings here that you're doing is that you're actually tasting what the wine is going to taste like to you. Because I'm going to give you an experience. We go to Tuscany. We'll go to the the vineyards you take us to. We'll go to Cacerto di Castellina. Uh, we'll go to Colli Barretto, and you're there, and you're there in the you have the ambiance. You have the smell. You have you, there's so much else going on in your sensories that when you ship it back home, and that's what you're expecting. You're like, well, this isn't quite what I remember, right? I mean, it's still great, but those other sensory part here, you're they actually get to taste it in their own environment, which I think is is a good way to taste wine. Yes, it is. I totally agree with what you, what you just said. It happens all the time to me, not only with wine but with food as well. Uh, of course, when I organize a tasting and I bring Tuscany to you guys, I try to bring my expertise. I try to give you, you know, to bring some images, some videos to give you a sense of the place and, and of the, 
you know, of the area that uh, we are talking about, uh, but it's not like tasting the wines at the winery. So the, the actual taste that you have here is what you can enjoy, the, exactly the same one you will have when you purchase purchase your your wine afterwards so do you have a new hidden gem a new favorite that you might take us to the next time we're visiting well i have a bunch of them <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be there in march yeah yeah but i invite you to come to bulgari because i have uh, i've heard that you have never been there and it's such a great place to go especially in march since uh, spring is picking up so we, you might enjoy some uh, good wine tasting um, with the sea view it's very beautiful um, besides wine picking up, I know you also did an olive oil tasting last yep. night. I, I, to, to us, we have found that olive oil is becoming almost as big on our list as wine. Are you seeing that too? Well, I see that whenever I promote olive oil, people get very enthusiastic. Um, I decided to bring olive oil in this uh, in this wine tasting because this time of the year, so autumn, winter, is the time in which in Italy we have the freshly pressed olive oil. And that is very special even for us. For us, uh, October, November, so when the producer pr press the olives, is like a party. Um, it's the time of the year in which you, si you see signs all over saying olio nuovo means new oil because people want to let you try the new oil, olive oil. Consider that olive oil, it's a produce that hardly get better with time. So the sooner you taste it, the better it is. And when you have the chance to taste it fresh, it's really special. So yes, when I introduce people to fresh olive oil, they get crazy about it. How many, how many bottles of olive oil do you go through a year? Oh, a dozen. I've started, I've started buying two types of olive oil. I have some shipped in uh, from one of our previous podcast with Laura. From, uh, Pals from Palzoni. Oh, Palzoni. And then I buy large gallon sizes because we go through so much olive oil now. Well, and you mentioned the freshness. You made, this is probably hard for a lot of consumers. If you've had olive oil shipped in or that's at least from Italy, uh, if it's been in your, in, your, um, in your kitchen for longer than a year, throw it out. Right. Right. I mean, just... Or use it for cooking. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you don't have to throw it, throw it, throw it out unless I you, would. Uh, unless I'm you have snob. kept it under the sun <laughs> or close by your uh, <laughs> your cooking station. But uh, no, I think you could you can use it for cooking. But yes, uh, olive oil needs to be in a dark color glass uh, bottle or in a can, as you said, uh, uh, to preserve its freshness. And um, yeah, I would. I would use my new olive oil just in the year of the release. No, not much longer than that. It, you know, Italian wine, it, it, there's, there's an abundance of it. I mean, it produces so much wine in, in the country. What's the biggest problem facing it, the Italian wine industry, do you think? Well, it's not only the Italian industry, but I would think uh, the global warming. The global warming, it's, uh, it's a problem. It's a problem because it's changing the rules of production. Luckily, nowadays, uh, we have uh, the, well, the ability to study, to analyze, to uh, get all the consideration needed and adjust because there is nothing you can do against global warming. So what wine producers are doing now is to adjust their century-old uh, techniques uh, in order to... Uh, go along with nature. So for example, just to give a very practical example, 
historically, mm, winter pruning was done in January, okay? But nowadays, with Due to global warming, we are facing more and more spring frost around March or even beginning of April. And that could deadly uh, kill the, the budding if the vines have, bud, have been budding already. So what producers are doing is to delay by a month or a month and a half the winter pruning so that they can delay for about two weeks, the budding, oh. and avoid and skip the the spring frost. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that makes but, sense. So they are trying to adjust century-old technique, techniques uh, with the, the changes that uh, nature is uh, is giving us. Is that same, is, is there an impact on the olive oil grow, uh, harvest as well? Well, not that I know, but uh, I'm not too confident about it because it's not really my mm, expertise. Yeah. So I should ask about that, how global warming affects the olive oil. I know that uh, olive oil and olive uh, groves suffer a little bit, were quite frequently from uh, the um, fly. Do you know the yep. name? Yes. Yep. And uh, with high temperatures in the summer, sometimes and drought, sometimes it could be a little bit more uh, frequent to have uh, this fly, but no more than that. You know, going back and bringing Tuscany to to the United States, if you were to do this on a regular basis, would it have to be? To, to make sense, you would almost have to like do a tour, right? I mean, instead of just coming because you're here for four days, right? That doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you could line one up, say in New York, and work your way across the country, you could spend, especially during the would the winter time be the best time because tourism's down in Italy. So start in like. New York, work all the way to California and, and do a bunch of tastings in between. Yeah. Would that be the way to do it? That would be my goal, considering I have a family, so not maybe for a <laughs> month time. <laughs> but yes, definitely it would make total sense. Actually, that's what I'm trying to do for future tours. I'm right now planning my February tour. Uh, I um, don't want to tell something about it, thing across. We are just organizing it, but I'm probably going to touch three different uh, um, states in the same uh, trip of about two weeks. So, finger crossed that I will bring Tuscany to many other American wine lovers in the near future. So, I mean, if you, what I like, why it's important to have somebody like Claudia's stature or anybody from from Italy do the tasting like this is because they understand it. They live it every single day. Having somebody from a local distributor does not give you the same knowledge, the same passion. Distributors are there just to sell wine and try to get you to consume as much as you can. It's the it's the expertise and the knowledge of the region living it every day that that really sets you apart. Yes, absolutely. It's experience. I mean, last night uh, uh, I've I've received so many questions afterwards. I mean, I thought my wine tasting was a little bit too long. It was about an hour. But at the end, people wouldn't stand up because there were so many questions in the room. There was a lot of uh, interest uh, in many aspects uh, of the of my presentation. So that made me feel very good because uh, people were listening and were very, um, yeah, I was very, very interested about content. And uh, I agree. Go ahead. Well, I agree because meeting you in person now, I can tell you really enjoy what you're doing. Um, <laughs> When did you, I'm just curious, when did you find out that wine was going to be a, a, your passion? Oh, that's a long story, which I told tonight, last night. Uh, 
basically I've always been, um, I, I always like food, <laughs> actually good food. And at the age of 19, when I was driving back from university as a young student, uh, a radio interview about brand new bachelor degree caught my attention. It was the University of Gastronomical Sciences. And I was 19 then, and uh, at that time, you know, my life changed because I decided to take that study course. And at that time, I didn't know that that specific decision would have shaped my entire career and not just uh, some extra pounds <laughs> at the end of see, my studies. <laughs> see what they did there? Even in Italy, they, they, they know how to market because it's the it's the University of Gastronomical Sciences, which means come here and eat and drink. Right, right, right. Well, that's what I've done. <laughs> that's what I've done. And since it was a quite a close uh, master course, we were just 25 students. So right after that, uh, a winery called me immediately and I started working in the wine business when, when I was 23 and therefore uh, uh, since then I never left. The, the following year I moved to Tuscany because the first uh, winery I worked for was on the Lake Garda in the north of the country and then uh, since 2008 yeah I consider myself Tuscan by adoption. It's, uh, <laughs> it's where I raised my family, where I know everything I know. So has one of the biggest changes because the winery you took me to was the, the big investment comes from a, a Frenchman. It, it, since you started in the industry in 23 and it's been a number of years you've been in it, you work for Banfi, which is one right. of the largest in, in the world. Um, is there a lot more is one of the biggest changes you've seen in the Italian wine market is foreign investment to yes. keep a lot of these wineries going? Yes, yes. There are there is an increasing trend of uh, foreign investments that are purchasing uh, Italian or Tuscan estate. Sometimes they just uh, are they are just in the back, so they just make the investment and they keep the Italian staff working for them. Sometimes they actively manage the, the winery, but yes, there is definitely an increasing trend. Um, I have, um, I don't know which position I have. I mean, uh, it's good of, and bad, good and it's bad, good right? and bad. I mean, I do like uh, family owned winery with a long tradition and probably those are the ones that I might prefer. But then, as a matter of fact, sometimes uh, I meet uh, wineries like Tenuta Casenuove, where we went together, where even if the, the investor is foreign, I can feel that there is a lot of passion behind. And therefore, why not? I mean, he decided to put only Italian stuff. There is a lot of expertise. Uh, so why not? So I have um, good and bad feelings about it. I'm just curious, how is that being received, all that foreign investment? Are, is, that a, is there a lot of resistance now, not anymore. Probably there was in the past. Uh, as uh, Travis mentioned, I used to work for Banfi, and Banfi is a, a Tuscan winery owned by an American family. I don't know if you're aware of that. Owned and founded, actually. And back then, in 1978, there was a lot of resistance because, hey, the America came and just purchased all the land. But nowadays, I think that also locals understand that uh, foreign invest uh, investors might bring added value to the overall regions. That's what, for example, Banfi did. I mean, uh, the, this American family came and made major investment, but at the same time, probably pay, played a very important role in making Brunello di Montalcino famous all over the world because they opened up the market. So I think that uh, nowadays... Uh, 
people are less reluctant to accept foreigner um, in uh, in Tuscany. What is what's the most? I'm gonna ask you not to. What's the most overpriced Italian wine? To like, oh my god, I can't believe they charge that. Just based on because we see a lot of super Tuscans. I'm like, it's just a blend. Yeah. Right. I, I, I mean, so, but, but because they're able to do that, they're able to charge $50, $60 a bottle. I'm like, it's, it's a blend. I mean, what, what do you think is the best deal? What do you think is, eh, you're probably paying just too much because of the name. That's a difficult question. <laughs> We're going to get her in trouble. I, I know. I know. We have to Did be you, careful. I know. I know. I don't want to mention brands, <laughs> but uh, maybe not. Maybe not a brand, but maybe a region, or or is a Brunello overpriced? Yeah, you, you know, because it, it has that name to it. You hear Brunello, and you know it's been in oak for, for what five years, probably. Yeah. So. Well, I think release uh, the release date Brunello is not overpriced. I think uh, if you go if you pay 50, 60 euros for a bottle at the release time, it's it's a good price because as you rightly said, there's 5 years production behind it behind that bottle. There's a lot of tension. There are studies on the soil. There are all kind of really uh there's a lot of meticulous work behind. So I think it's it's not wrong. If, of course, you start to go out in the market at the release price of 250 at that point, there is a lot of brand. There is the history, there is the cultural aspect. So, depends. There is the status, you know, the status symbol of, uh, of a brand. Well, I mean, we're seeing that in the American market with bourbon. And the fact that it just you get a brand up and these whiskeys that, you know, five years ago were $35, $40 a bottle are going for – Blanton's is a good example. I mean, Blanton's now is getting over – the gold one just came out. It was like $250 a bottle. I'm like, now it's just become – I got to have it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's supply and demand at its finest. Right, right. So uh, – go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, I just wanted to say that because you asked me what's a good price uh, – Personally, I don't go for the big brands in my selection. So I personally try to find good deals, so good quality for the right price. So I do not have a business that really look for the, uh, you know, those uh, very niche, uh, very famous, highly priced uh, uh, wine. That's not my philosophy. I want to choose and uh, suggest wines that are available for a broader public. That's my philosophy. So what's the selection our, our listeners could purchase today? For the winter selection that you've picked out. Yes, now we have the winter selection available. And I always like to put one sparkling wine to begin with, which is indeed Castello del Trebbio sparkling wine, Metodo Classico, which is the place I visited uh, together with Travis. Then I selected a Bulgari Bianco, which is a blend of Vermentino, Nascan, Tuscan native variety and Viognier which adds body and a personality to the overall blend. Then I have uh, a Bulgari Rosso from uh, Vigneron, as we call it in Italy. So a small uh, winery called uh, Podere Castellaccio, probably among the highest altitude uh, vineyards in the Bulgari overlooking the coast. Very beautiful with the terrace vineyard. Very nice. And their Bulgari Rosso is called Oreo. And uh, to move on, I have uh, the Chianti Classico Reserva that I scouted together with Travis at Tenuta Casa Nuova. Very good deal. It's a Chianti Classico that I think is very worth the price. It's uh, it's out at 35 euros, yeah, uh, but something like that. So, but it's definitely worth the price. Then I have 
a minor uh, appellation called uh, um, Campiglia Marittima. So it's uh, a Sira uh, from the winery Monte Solaio, which is a winery next to a castle. Uh, very beautiful in the town of Campiglia Marittima. I was captivated by this uh, 100% Sira, and so I decided to put it in my selection. And last but not least, uh, I always have to put a Brunello in, uh, in, uh, in the selection. And a couple of months ago, I was joining the annual new vintage presentation in Montalcino, which is called Benvenuto Brunello. And I was totally captivated by this uh, Brunelli Montalcino from the small and family-owned winery Caprili. And if you want to know more about the winter selection and join... Uh, Claudia's Wine Club, go to Caligari.wine, that's C-A-L-L-E-G-A-R-I.wine. Uh, lots of information right there with, with, with about Claudia. Also, the winter selection is right there, and you can sign up for her newsletter, and you can join the club because you can quarterly have wine shipped to your to your house. It's, yeah. And we, we've done that. We, we've had a, a case shipped here, and oh, it's, well, it's quite good. It's, yeah. it's really, really good. Yeah. So Strongly encouraged. I'm glad you've had a. I'm glad you were able to join us in the studio. Yes, me too. Thanks so much for having me. It, it's a little different than Italy. It's probably. I mean, it's it's just a room with speakers and microphones. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it good to. I, I've met you at your place. You've now met us at our place. Absolutely. And, and hopefully, it's not the last time. I hope no. We, hopefully, we're going to see you. Again. I look forward to to seeing you again in Tuscany. Uh, we will be there in. Pat and I are going to go in March together. So hopefully, we can get together. We'll be there for about five days, and hopefully, we can get together and and uh, drink some more wine. drink some more wine. And I'll drink anything. Right. I went to uh, Il Brindoloni. Just to rub that in. Oh, thank you. Yeah, but it's interesting. I'll just, I'll like, give me, give me the house wine, and it tastes good to me. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure it's not that good, but it's like, all right, I. It, but it's the, it's the but sensory. It's there. You know, you got you got the food, you've got the smells, you've, you, you've got everything that goes with it. So, all right. If you do not follow Total Tuscany on the social media profiles, please do so. We have an Instagram account. We have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter account. And I think we're on there on TikTok somewhere. I, I got to get the kids back involved with TikTok because I'm not a TikToker. Uh, and, and we also do have a LinkedIn page. Uh, just search Total Tuscany on all those social media channels. Also follow Claudia and Caligari Wines on social media. She's out there everywhere. She does a much better job than, than we do promoting on the socials. Uh, but again, order, sign up for the newsletter, join the wine club, and look for Claudia bringing Tuscany to the United States and maybe a wine tasting near you. For Claudia Caligari, for Pat Campania, I'm Travis Justice. We will talk to you next time on the Total Tuscany Podcast.